Borak Dog Earthlets. My name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 185th episode of Space Spinner 2000. Oh, podcast. <laughs> That's right, buddy. It never ends. Oh, God. So Podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own Galaxy's Greatest Comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2080 for July and August 1988, progs 583 to 586. This time, Johnny Alpha gets involved in feud business. Bad company gets to the heart of the matter. Oh, wow. Well, Learn some tribal memories. Tyranny uh-huh. Rex is under foreign skies. Nemesis arrives to bring some death. And Judge Dredd deals with hot dogs, Batmen, and bloodlines. Yeah. Also, like, uh, that man was so nude. Yeah. Listen, we got some nudity. It's going to be good. <laughs> it was just a very, it was a very intense thing, what with the sausages and such, but we'll get there. In- indeed. If you want to read along with us, you'll find the comics we're covering today in Judge Dredd, The Complete Case Files 12, Nemesis, The Warlock, Volume 3, The Complete Bad Company, Strontium Dog, SEAC Files 4, and X2000 AD Extreme Editions 14 and 21. <laughs> and speaking of an unprepared Conrad Fox. Oh, he's always prepared. Thrill One, Bad Company. Who boy, man, uh, standing over the corpse of a man that you cut the head off with, like, your arm shears is real gross. Hey, you know, you gotta stand over him eventually, I guess. <laughs> Script robot for Bad Company, Peter Milligan. Art robot, Brett Ewins and Jim McCarthy. Letter robot, Tom Frame. Oh, uh, yeah. Alien slash spaceship, the protoid, stands <laughs> over the dead body of the elite Derancine as our faceless narrator once again complains it doesn't know who or what it is. You know, I have a I have a strange question for you in regards to protoid, which is if he is a shape-changing, what's I'm going to call it, why yeah. does he shape-change into having a multi-pouched like utility belt and a bandolier? I mean, maybe he just like... <laughs> Here's a here's a gross answer. Uh, maybe he wants some some pockets that aren't made of him. You know, like you don't kind of have to have lint inside you of your bio pocket, buddy. That's somehow oh. way grosser. Yeah, you know? it's like tiny Joey pouches. You know, it's got little yeah. tiny protoids inside. Exactly. Like like I could keep everything like in my folds here because I'm a large man, but I don't. But I wear pants. <laughs> I wear pants with pockets in them because that seems. <laughs> Just a lot. more hygienic. And uh, uh, I imagine hopefully more practical. <laughs> you'd hope you'd think so, but no. Anyway. <laughs> meanwhile, Kano is co- – meanwhile uh, – sorry. Kano controlled by a cruel is being – is uh, is is being choked out as a – as Kano like the – as a – bah. As a as a Kano controlling a cruel kills a whole bunch of regular old cruel. I'm very confused by this section. It's, um, <laughs> it's real, real weird. But the choking out yeah. sequence is pretty devastating. Yeah. At the same time, the cruel control by Kano shakes and growls and um, reverts back. And uh, at the same, yeah, shakes and growls and then, um, uh, oh my God, Fox! I don't know what I'm going on are here. Are you Are you all right? <laughs> I I know, like, well, past Conrad has just really messed me up with what's going on here. So anyway, <laughs> um, Kano returns back to his old body. That's what's important. After some questioning, our buddy Mac frees Kano from his cage, and he seems generally depressed, especially about this new these new tentacles and eyes that he's grown out yeah, of his face. You know, but I was already a monster, so it's whatever. 
Oh, I feel better, buddy. Yeah, I know. Uh, Danny, Fra- Danny Franks, meanwhile, has arrived and stands before the massive cruel heart. Man, that weird face placenta he's got going on in the middle of his Tim Tum really freaking me out. It's pretty bad. The face. I mean, listen. Like after, um, after that mother goddess from or the uh, that a uh, Venus thing that Abysley drew last episode. I feel oh, like there's God. nothing. The, there's nothing the cruel heart can offer me that I haven't already yeah, seen worse. No, you know, that one was pretty. Uh, that was a little too much. Yeah. So um, the monster tries to tempt Danny with a reborn Shiva. Or Shiva, I should say, but Danny rejects her. He goes to shoot the heart, but is knocked away because it's the protoid. Oh, my God. The protoid was going to do that thing we figured he was going to do the whole time. Yeah. Evil alien is evil. Film at 11. Oh, my God. <laughs> the toid says he's always hated Danny the most and will soon take the place of the cruel heart's offspring and rule this alien empire himself. I feel he's like won. saying that to the, like, you were the one I hated the most. It's like, man, like, first off, really? Was it so bad? I figured he just hated Kano the most, but, you know. Dying words, think, I'm going to make you know that I didn't like you. So, maybe he's just trying to be rude. Yeah, I like feel like. Like he somebody to the grave. <laughs> then like your last thought final, is like, fuck you. Well, yeah, so, some some final mean girl shit, just to, like, lower someone's self-esteem as, wow. they, as their life energy seeps away. You yeah, know? he's kind of, yeah, he, he strikes me as that kind of loser. He's a tough dude, you know. Yeah. Um, he thinks he's one, though. But then, oh, God, it's Kato. He's grabbed the protoid weak spot on the back of his neck. I know, man. And, uh, you know, this works pretty well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it doesn't last for long, the paralyzing stuff. But they do have a fight. Kano manages to uh, to hit protoid in the junk. Because apparently protoid's got nards as well as the wolfman. <laughs> Keeps and them then, where nards would go, I guess. Yeah. Th- then he does this kind of like a cool thing where he grabs the protoid's mouth. Oh, man. And clearly like rips his head from pe- from from, uh, from jaw to jaw, which is it's, pretty neat. It's the best move to do to like a, a monster dinosaur that's attacking you. I, I feel like this is such a clutch move of grabbing both ends of the jaw and just being like, nope. I believe that's what King Kong did in that Peter Jackson movie. Oh as I yeah, recall. that's right. That was in uh, that was in Skull Island. That was awesome. No, no, no. The uh, the the older one, that like like just Kong or whatever. Oh really? Man, I don't know. Clutch. I just I just went to Universal Studios where there's a ride for that. So I'm sort of <laughs> it's it's in my mind. Awesome. Or it's one section I should say of like the big studio tour thing. Mm. You know, whatever. Um, with the threat eliminated, Kato walks off, leaving Mac and Danny at the heart because Kato's got to go kill a part of himself. Oh, man. He's going to go have a sweet fight with the other totally yoked dude. That's right. Two two brains in one spot. <laughs> Finally. The unknown narrate- yeah, the unknown narrator is getting closer, like roads converging. Danny is freaking out as Kano stumps out, of his- out to his destiny. And as you hear, uh, like... Kind of in the background, it's like, reunited and it feels so good. Absolutely. Kano meets the crew with his brain. One must die. Oh, man. Um, Two Kano enter, p- one half of Kano leaves. No, yeah, actually, one it's Kano one Kano, Kano enters and only one half leaves. <laughs> or, or maybe two halves. It's one of those things. Yeah. You know? um, it's a whole so weird the pro- thing. Yeah, the protoid seems to be dead, but then there's a noise, and suddenly the roof caves in. You! Oh, no. It turns out, like, fucking protoid's not dead. Yeah. Kato stares down cruel no, and we get a brief (laughs) recap. 
how Kano took control of his body after the brain swap while Cruel No descended into madness. These two brain bros fight, knock down, drag out, hoss fight, which I always appreciate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Kato's super tough, but the Cruel is driven by madness. Yeah, man, breaks his arm, starts strangling him. Yeah, the alien's hands wrap around Kano's throat as Mac and Danny look on stunned. It's the protoid ship! Oh my god, I've turned into this whole thing. Or well, maybe it's more that this is the protoid and the dead creature was just a puppet of that guy. Yeah, it's like not clear. Like it's it's not a creature with a ship; it's a ship with a creature. But now that ship is morphed into a giant monster with with cool eyes and a mouth. That mm-hmm. actually seems to me like I'm not sure about the timing, but it does seem very uh, um, similar to like the big monsters in like Beetlejuice and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, so that, like like big long mouth kind of look. Yeah, if that makes they're sense. not quite tremors; they're like weirder ones because it's you know yeah. from the yeah more sharp lines. I yeah, guess. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the sh- so. It's got giant eyes, giant mouth, giant tentacles, <laughs> and it still you. plans to join with the cruel heart. As Kano starts to pass out, Cruel No suddenly staggers away towards a cliff, seemingly on purpose, because Kano has neural flipped. Oh my god, I'm gonna he stop sw- you. Yeah, he swapped into the body of the guy choking him, then swaps out at the last minute, caught, but causes his double to jump off the cliff or affect his own body. He comes to as Danny makes a mad run. For a weird face covered in a wet blanket that's being stretched out by a bunch of weird hooks. Yeah, <laughs> terrible times for the cruel heart. Danny, uh, Max says the, pro- the protoids won, but Danny disagrees. There's only one way to stop the protoid, and Danny does it. He sprints headlong into the growing form of the new cruel heart, leaping into it, and now the narrator knows who it is. Yeah, man, you got to jump into that thing's belly button to get absorbed into its goo. That's right. It's navel gazing. Oh god. <laughs> Speaking of lint in your holes, I in, in your folds, I guess. Um, and it all comes back around. <laughs> so the narrator is Danny Franks and the Cruel Heart, and no one Danny's- was shocked. Yeah, Danny's consumed by the heart, fully integrated into it. His mind explodes into a million points of light, which just, again, it's 88, so it's making me think of George Bush's uh, thousand points of light speech ah. that'll come later this year, or I guess maybe the next year. For a moment, he becomes the Vitruvian man, of Vitruvian Danny Franks we see. Then the integrated heart reaches out and strangles the protoid with its many tentacles. Yep. Then terrifyingly consumes it, absorbing all of its personal and racial memories. Yum, uh, yum, yum. Who doesn't love the sustenance of racial memories? Jesus. It's tasty. Yeah, listen, playing Assassin's Creed all the time. I mean, it does um, kind of come back later, racial memories. Yeah. Mac tries to talk to the Danny heart, now looking extremely Danny-like, but it's clearly existing on a far different level. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's near omnipotence. Meanwhile, Kano stirs. He's lost all of his cruel affectations. Cool. Across the galaxy, we see cruel uh, cruel Dannys releasing humanity from prisons, and while Danny thinks he can use... His humanity to be a kinder, gentler, cruel heart. We do see that the cruel are still willing to beat down dissidents and generally be evil oh, monsters. I mean, yeah, you know? you know, if you're going to fucking punch me in the face after I've released you, you're damn right. I'm going to give you a bludgeon. Danny's already lying to him. P- powers, absolute powers already absolutely corrupting Danny mm. Franks. Kano tries to talk to the heart, but Danny, but the Danny heart quickly sends them away. He's got much work to do and can't risk these guys trying to kill him. 
which, uh, yeah, starts talking about a lot of this work that he has to do sort of in the in the vaguest sense possible. Indeed. Later, the boys are aboard a ship being piloted by a cruel Danny, and they reflect that Danny seems to have won. It's the end of the cruel empire and the start of the Danny Franks empire. Yeah, man. It's kind of like Encounter at Farpoint if Captain Picard had jumped into that giant alien being and then become one with it instead. And if, like, instead of, like, a, like a intelligent anodyne Jean-Luc Picard, it's crazy-ass nihilist Danny Franks. <laughs> really not great. Like, do you want a, a uh, an intergalactic dictator or a, or a lead, or hive mind leader that thought the pain pit was beautiful? Who, to me, that's disturbing. And who also has, like, this clear obsession with prose. You know that half of those Danny Franks cruel are going to just be writing in journals the whole time. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, okay. <laughs> a bunch of fucking books that no one wants to read getting published. Yeah, it's the beginning and Danny reflects on things. He feels a baby cruel heart growing within him and promises to himself to not grow corrupt and decadent like the old heart. Mm. He is Danny Franks. He is the cruel heart. He is the combination Danny Franks and cruel heart. The end. Yep. All right. Well, that ended about where I thought it might end. <laughs> Fox always so underwhelmed by bad company. Ending. Well, because well, like, because I, I listen. First off, that shouldn't downplay that it's not awesome, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just uh, you kind of see it coming. Like the the whole purpose of Danny's character is like this amalgamating of people who have died in his life, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then eventually he just gets amalgamated, right? Yeah, and just the. Uh... Like, I'll say that, like, it is kind of teased just by the fact that the Cruel Hearts narration or that what will be the Cruel Hearts narration is so kind of wordy and Danny Franks-ish, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. You like, kind of get it. It's kind of like, yeah. Um, so, just so you know, uh, Bad Company will return with a prequel story in the 2080 annual this year. And there'll be a special charity story in Prague 601, which is basically going to be like, oh, like, we drew this uh, – we wrote and drew this comic in like two hours. So, you well, know, pretty like neat. For, for charity. So here's this thing. That's okay. kind of cool. And then uh, Kano will return with a story of his own Ooh. in 1993. Oh, so, you know. That sounds dangerous. That doesn't sound we're good. Go- we're, yeah, we're going to get some more bad company stuff, but this is really the end of sort of mainline bad company for many, many years. Well, that's neat. I like that. I mean, it like, I feel like I like that it has concluded, if that makes sense. There's still yeah. some you can pull on some threads here and there, but you know, didn't yeah, hate and it. I don't <laughs> just underwhelmed. Yeah, and I don't. I don't know how much we'll actually be picking up with the cruel heart stuff. Honestly, like oh. I feel like this side of the story is kind of kind of finished. I feel both but. good and like you missed an opportunity there. All right, eh. yeah, yeah, we'll yeah, see. Exactly correct, meh. <laughs> but speaking fine. of galact, yeah, but but but, but speaking about war and galactic quests, Fox. Ooh. Thrill to Strontium Dog. Oh man, let's get uh, let's get religious with your uh, with your explanations here. A little bit. So, how are you feeling about the uh, uh, new look Strontium Dog? I wish I knew what was going on most of the time. <laughs> uh, like that's a big thing that's hard for me to kind of like wrap my head around or to grok. Mm-hmm. Um, like I didn't know. Like we'll get to them, I guess. But there yeah. are there are just times where I'm like, I I just don't, I can't fathom what's going on <laughs> in any sort of way. Yeah, there. Are- I also don't understand if like these priests are just covered in like hair blankets, um, 
because it really something. Yeah, it's yeah, not it's close good. in some cases. <laughs> and uh, you know, I Johnny's kind of okay looking fine. It's just like this dog and and fucking and midden face. It's like he's got boils now instead of fucking bumps. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, midden face has taken has gained some shading on his lumps that are a little uh, objectionable. There, I would call them oogie personally, but Indeed. yeah. <laughs> so, script about for Strong Dog, Alan Grant, art about Simon Harrison, letter about Gordon Robson, his kid. I'll say also, Fox, as this episode's coming out, are like the we've uh, I, I just put up uh, episode 180, which had a very in where we talked a little bit about the end of Carlos Escara. Mm. There are some more things that then I said. Um, for reasons why Ascara left Strontium Dog, but I can't tell you them because there would be spoilers. But just uh. I, I'm I'm aware of it, folks. All right. <laughs> you know? uh. um, anyway, anyway. Okay. Mutant mutant bounty hunters, aka Strontium Dogs, Johnny Alpha and Middenface McNulty, along with two of their mutant buddies, um, and McNulty's dog. And a warrior monk named Brother Sagan uh. are on the planet No Go, looking for the Bishop of Bolton and some sacred relics. They've got to get to Murph's Rock, about two miles east, where the bishop's ship went down. But suddenly, Middenface's dogs, Dougal, gets a scent and drags him off off to a couple of forest lizard cats. The man, really, uh, the biologist who decided to name these things lizard cats. Great work. Don't know if you nailed that one. I think they kind of have like a... Like a Siamese cat kind of look. Oh, God, I or, don't or even like know. A, like a stylized Siamese cat combined. Just they like, they uh, appear eyeless and they are constantly drooling. Sure. Listen. Like a cat? <laughs> yeah, these purebred cats, man. They get they get real freaky. Wow. You know, it's tough. <laughs> um, anyway, the Dougal and these cats go at it in a traditional manner, at least till the Strons show up and scare them off. They were eating the corpses of the church commando squad set to find the bishop that we talked about previously. Not much of commandos, someone, am I right? Mm-mm. Yeah, it looks like someone hung them up to attract the cats there. So it looks like they were taken out by actual humans Meow. that did some some corpse messing. <laughs> the team <laughs> approaches defiling. the down. Yeah, the team approaches the down ship, and suddenly Brother Sagan sets off some kind of spike ball booby trap, pretty and Johnny Alpha saves him just in time. Yeah, pretty cool. Oh my cool god, you saved me! He's like, yeah, why? Why would I not save you? We're we're on the same team, yeah. right? And that seems to confuse Brother Sagan in a very disturbing kind of way. Oh man, I was totally gonna betray all these people, but he's being so nice to me. I can't have feelings. Sagan checks the wall safe on this ship and the relics have been taken too. Oh no. The Ugh. Warthog Strong picks up a trail and the team moves out, but it's clear whoever took the bishop and uh, the bishop and company are pros, so be careful of booby traps. At Middenface, you better carry Dougal the rest of the way, which he's not pleased about. Yeah. Also, what comes next here, Conrad, is, you know, I, I get like the the, you know, like large kind of people humor that goes on if they then didn't do the zoom on or zoom up or zoom in to the face where he then just looks like he has just protruding eyeballs looking in different directions it's almost chameleon like mm. it's disgusting this man yeah. is disgusting it's true at murph's rock they're calling cadence as a captain as this guy captain krieg a silly cyberman with a striped top hat long curled mustache and hook hand is making the fat Bishop Bolton march into shape. Because he's going to be a military guy? I feel like that's like a very big miscalculation for this uh, robobotted man. 
I guess they need everybody they can on this feud world. We see Krieg. He's wearing a bunch of like a like like, like a clubs from like playing cards. Yeah, but it's like also a dice and, block. Yeah, but if you remember from the the, the the troops you saw last episode that the Strons also fought had like hearts on them. Oh. So I feel like this might be the two different sides. Cute of this feud. The bishop wasn't meant for physical labor, though, and apparently he but but has exchanged staying alive for joining Krieg's army. Oh, also want to do a shout out to Creed's bizarre cod piece. I don't. It's got a lot of cod piece. I feel like we're entering a cod piece era between uh, Inklington and a Harrison both being in the comic. There's a lot of shots of just his bottom half. It's true. Uh, <laughs> so the bishop protests all this, and Creek offers to throw him off the cliffside instead. And the other church guy says he wouldn't say he would be so tough if it went out for that strength boosting exosuit. But Creek says, "That's why I got the exosuit, yeah. dummy." And then he just crushes <laughs> yeah. his fucking hand. I do have the exosuit, Blanche. I do. <laughs> I I think that that is that is a strength right there. Saying like, "Yeah, dude, I'm wearing power armor." Fuck off. Yeah, I'm bet. I bet. <laughs> I I I I bought the premium content, buddy. I'm using it. <laughs> Creed gets a message. It's that that scout guy from last episode, and he's reporting in on the Strontium Dog's location. But before he can give more info, the dogs hide in a tree. Take him out. See this? I did not see his head in that panel, and yeah, so I had got, he, I had no idea what was going on for this until I just kind of went back and started re-looking through everything to be like, oh, okay. Yeah, he definitely had a weird, like, hunched over kind of ghillie suit thing yeah, going on. I don't know. Um, the baddies know they're coming, but Johnny's got a plan, and it involves some number four cartridges. Like a whole shitload of them, too, which I think is yeah. pretty rad. Totally. Meanwhile, Creed gathers up some troops and uh, goes to take out the dogs, but the only dog they see is Dougal, carrying some kind of pouch. He drops the pouch and runs off, and then once he's clear, Johnny shoots it, setting off the cartridges within, blowing up a fair amount of Krieg's forces. Pretty rad. Pretty rad Johnny Alpha move. Definitely. The dogs are attacking Krieg's forces as Dougal howls. And uh, Krieg keeps his men to fight, or... Or, Craig Creek orders men to fight back and then uses his exoskeleton strength to throw a boulder at the dog. Which is also rad. He's just like, well, I'm gonna, I have it, so I'm gonna use it. Crushes a Definitely. dude. Yeah. This directly <clears throat> hits Boar, and he asks for Brother Sagan to do some last rites or final confession stuff as Johnny gathers the others, the others to strike back. Which, and but, I guess by, by like, last rites, the dude's just like, I don't got time for this. Takes out a knife and just stabs him. Yeah, before Borg confesses sin, Sagan pulls a fancy switchblade and takes him out. Ugh, jerk. It's Yeah, it's not clear his motivations just yet, but mm -hmm. we'll see. Meanwhile, Johnny's using um, high heat number three cartridges to take out Krieg's forces, forcing him to surrender. <laughs> yeah, people are time, exploding around him, so it's not looking yeah. good. <laughs> no, but at the same time, we see those heart dudes from last episode who see that Krieg is in trouble for a counterattack. Oh, God. Back at Murph's Rock, Johnny demands the return of the Bishop of Bolton. That's all he wants. Like, we didn't have to fight. Stop being jerks. Yeah. Come um, on, dude. Let's roll. Yeah. There's a point where Middenface wants a soldier um, to uh, to drop his gun or a soldier still who still has a gun to show him his oxters, which is Scottish for armpits, FYI. Oh. Uh. Like, like, put your hands up. Basically. I mean, I got the punchline when it happened where it's just like, ah, people don't understand English. What the hell? Exactly. The bishop is saved. He reveals he hid the holy relics, I guess, in his folds in the um, in his sacred striped jockstrap. 
Oh, <laughs> um, we also see that, yeah, he's not wearing much underneath his hassock or whatever it is. And uh, the relics are some burned bo- burned bones, which excite Dougal. Oh, yeah. He's got bones, uh, like, above his head, to exclamation point. I want them bones. Loves dogs, love bones. Cats love milk, dogs love bones. There you go. True facts. Like, not just- see, see you next week, guys, for some more animal facts. Not just any bones, though, Fox. Mm-mm. Bones of power. Bones of fate. Bones that have been taken by Dougal. Oh, wait. What's going on? Oh, wait. That's not good. Dougal, come back here, please. Give those yeah. bones back, please. Mid and face repairs to go after them when some gun pods show up from those other jerks. They got uh, they have these checkerboard markings on them, Fox, which are very popular in uh. comics, I think. We're going to see a lot of them in the upcoming Nemesis story, but to my nerd eyes, they just feel very uh, 40K, Warhammer 40K orc. Yeah, exactly. Like That's a strong look in those guys, mm-hmm. possibly inspired by this for all I know. Well, that's um, fair. The dogs start fighting. The short dude gets lit up as Sagan goes after Dougal. The monk approaches the dog, but Boot Dougal bites him, so he curses the beast and shoots it. No! Despite not liking Dougal, like anybody who guns down a dog immediately is someone I hate. Strunt, uh, yeah, listen, 2000 AD now uh, get, gets a uh, gets a red X on that uh, Does the Dog Die website. You That's know? very true. Stay away from 586. Yeah, um, yeah, content warning, I guess. Mm. Um, anyway, the uh, the gun, gun pods are dispatched, but uh, Arcrando, who's the short strand team dog they were hanging out with, Captain Krieg, and the Bishop are all dead. Oh, oh my God! And Middenface starts looking for Dougal, but he suits and he finds a smoking corpse. He's dead. No. Sagan, you bastard! I can't believe it. Yeah, now they're after this priest guy. Next time on Strontium Dog Fox. Oh. <laughs> Kerr Reed. Uh, oh, snap. Okay. Yeah. Because the dog's a cur. You see what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. God damn it. Uh, you know, man, it's just the religious angle thing I like. Mm-hmm. It's just very messy to watch. Yeah, I'm interested <sighs> to see. Like they're they're tag they're they're teasing a lot with a uh, brother Sagan, yeah, and I, you know, and it's gonna be interesting to see where that goes. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I I must say I'm enjoying this story a lot more than I have in the past, just because mm. I'm really making an effort to pay attention to oh, it, sure, and sort of figure out the ins and outs, I guess. Whereas previously, I've been I've I've gotten to this point, been sort of turned off by the art, and then like you know so, sort of skipped through it. So I'm reading it now, and I am actually finding this to be pretty good. And I'm mm. sort of you know Har- Harrison's art style is growing on me actually. So I feel oh, really? like that's a good that that's good as well. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just sort of like. Like I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to forget Ascara and sort of embrace what, 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 what we have, you know. Especially if it's going to be a minute. Yeah. Plus, like, like I just, I just can't, like, like one, the my my memory of Strontium Dogs past means that I can't just do this, do this whole section of the show with a puss on my face. You no. Know? Like, like, but I also, I, I don't know. I also just can't switch it off. I just like knowing no, what's I going for on. Sure. That said, uh, like, because I'm, I'm, I'm in pretty full support with you on this one, where I feel like the story's good, and it's not like, you know, it's not like what I would draw, a bunch of fucking stick figures, and everyone, you know, just saying out loud, pew, 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 you know? Yeah, it's like I mean, some listen, actual like, like, artistry going in this. Yeah, like, like, check my Droctober output for my level of, of to say, well, what I would do is, but, um... 
like you know i i feel we, we can also review these things you know yeah. whatever like if you like it when we say it's good then you know whatever yeah, but all that yeah. stuff Anyhow, enough defensiveness, Fox. Oh. As we are, as we ourselves grow older and lose our confidence, let's de- let's go talk to somebody who's dealing with a similar situation. Oh yeah, thrill three, Judge Dread. This uh, this suffered a bit from me knowing when they jumped back and forth, but yeah, the back thing really got me. I was like, oh, oh yeah. This one, like, yeah, th- yeah. This first story, Bloodlines, uh, rewards a reread. Is what I'm trying to say. Yes. Like, like once you know what's going to happen, it, it it gains a lot of stuff. So, script robot John Wagner, art robot uh, for Judge Dredd. This, this episode, Will Sim- William Simpson, Alan Alan Davis, and Mark Farmer and Brett Ewins. Letting robot Tom Frame. Mm. A man tosses and turns in bed, seeing visions of a rock cracking, covered in blood and splintering asunder. Jeez. He awakens, blood on his lips, as an el- and an elderly jo- judge looks in, and the man calls him Judge Father. Interesting. Yeah, the older man is not quite comforting, though. He tells the other man to stay strong because weakness does not befit his bloodline. This man chokes the judge father, the older man creaking the word Kraken as the man punches him out. Whoa. He puts on the older judge's uniform, badge Judge Odell, and walks out of his cell, aping the older judge's limping gait. He uses a cane and stuff. So he's clearly very tactful at, at assessing people. And under yeah, uh, recognizing physical cues and uh, allude and uh, you know disguise and stuff. Even uses his cane as he's walking up the stairs and all of this stuff. There's little details that I fucking love about it. Yeah, he passes a female judge, pretends to be deaf when she questions him. Finally, he makes he walks to the pod bay and sees a view of the teeming city below. He breathes in the city, letting it wash over him. Then uses a grappling hook to escape the building roof and head into the urban landscape. God At damn. the same time. Judge Dredd is on patrol. The city doesn't change, but he feels he's changing. Mm-hmm. Where once he'd hassle a man that seemed to be too law-abiding or run a guy in for being a wise ass, he now just lets them all go. What's going on, JD? What's going on? Yeah, we see Dredd beat up and arrest a mugger, but he also feels a pain, a, a pain in his back that he's afraid to report the, to the med team. He's getting older, but he, and he doesn't like it. He gets sort of a hunch, a feeling in his mind and heads down to Archangel Street. And he wonders if his clone father, Judge Fargo, had backbane too. But he can't look it up because that would get other people asking questions as well. He doesn't want to bother people with his feelings of getting older. At the same time, the man in Odell's uniform is stalking the city, headed for a specific location. It's the only place he knows to go. He can't go back to the rock. He can't just strike out at the judges. He commandeers a citizen's vehicle, telling him not to report it. The only place this man knows to, he can be safe is at the safe house hmm. on Archangel Street. Interesting. So, the man has ditched the vehicle he took and is now walking the streets. He soaks in the electric feeling of the urban scene, feeling a sense of oneness, of belonging. There's a fight outside a bar, and he feels that he should lay low, but it'd be weird for a judge to not respond. So, instead, he just beats up the fighters and moves on. The citizens saying, like, oh, you didn't arrest anybody just because, you know, the judges always abuse their power and hurt people, yeah. so it's fine. He's got, like, this whole – he's got a real good frown. Like, they do this nice close-up on him for some foreshadowing. Yeah. 
Um, he moves through the city to the safe house on deserted back alleys and streets as Dredd goes to Arch- heads to Archangel Street 2, calling in a traffic accident and somehow watching the violence that this man has just done, but not seeing it, just feeling that it's happening. Mm. He speeds for Archangel, and the man arrives at the safe house. He enters a code and a keypad that'd be impossible to spoof, and makes his way through a booby-trapped hallway, minding the red, the booby-trapped red squares. Dreads nearing the safe house too as a ditch as a dispatcher with Chief Judge Silver behind him tries to call him off. They try to say that there's some emergency Very he has strange. to respond to, but Dread uh, just like shrugs it off. And they talk about there being some kind of psychic link, but that's doesn't it isn't elaborated on. No. Dread won't be budged and continues on as the man in Odell's uniform heads down the stairs and finds Judge Odell. What? Dread arrives at the safe house and enters the code correctly the first time, seemingly from muscle memory, and enters the building. The man confronts Odell. The older judge says they figured that the man wouldn't kill him, that he'd come here. But he, Kraken, is the last of his brothers. Jeez. They let him out to prove this to him. His tribe is gone. The rock is gone. There is nowhere else to go but here. Meanwhile, Dread is making his way through the hallway, accidentally setting off a booby-trap tile. He heads downstairs, lawgiver out, but Odell keeps him from shooting. Dread confronts Kraken and sees, and we see two jaws, seemingly identical almost, but the one to the right, Kraken's, is younger. Kraken is the future. Man. And as soon as he says Uh, that, Judge Dredd's fucking frown just gets even deeper. (laughs) Well, his frown gets deeper, but Kraken's goes into a smile, buddy. Yeah. He's a surviving Judda, another Fargo clone, Dredd's clone brother, but younger, far younger than the aging Dredd. Odell takes Kraken back to the city, telling Dredd to talk to the chief judge about this, but Dredd knows. Odell reports to to Silver that Dredd isn't broken, but is coming around. Especially now that he's got a a taste for the streets, they might be able to get him on their side. Silver's unhappy that Dredd had to learn this way, but Odell knows that Dredd is a realness. Nobody goes on forever, and the bloodline is what's important. Ooh, man. Just like the... This whole thing and the setup that they do, like, with the Jedha and the fact that they have some of the last surviving, you know, DNA that kind of links to these you know, important past judges, it coming back up in this way in, it was just, it was really fucking good, man. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited that a uh, Kraken's finally showed up here in, uh, in, in our prog slog. Um, wh- so listen, Fox, what can a young Fargo clone mean for an aging judge dread? We'll find out eventually, mostly in a, uh, a bit in 1988 and a whole lot in 1990. It's going to be very exciting. Fucking cool, man. Fucking just, cool. So you know, yeah. It's just sort of like, because they're clones, they had, they briefly had this kind of psychic link where dread could sort of uh, pick up on Kraken's thoughts and stuff like that. It's kind of an interesting concept hmm. of just what it mean for a full grown clone to be walking around. And also, I don't know, like... Hmm. You mentioned it's the last of this genetic material. Like, I'm not sure. I, th- I think it's more that, like, maybe well, I mean, the, the whole Justice thing- Department 
d- d- doesn't do clones anymore. So it's like, oh, well, if we've got one last um, Jutta alive, we might as well use him instead of um, execute him if we well, can. Right. You know? Well, especially because it comes from the same um, yeah. line, right? Especially because he's, he's a Fargo clone. And so, you know, maybe we can do something with Dread and stuff like I that. I think that was but like believe- Judd's thing was like he was the guy who was the geneticist, right? And I believe yeah. he just took a shitload of the samples with him, which then ended up getting exploded on the rock. Yeah, exactly. But I think the me- – I, I be- but, but Mega City – I mean, on like uh, the- here's where sort of like trying to keep Dread Cannon and like what actually <laughs> happens and what, what John Wagner remembers at this point is, is sort of, you know, hard to do. But in, in theory, um, Mega City 1 does have genetic material because they sent a bunch of like a, like a couple clone judge – like five or six clone – like a baby judge clones to Texas City that one time. That's in that right. story where where Dread had to team up with Mean Machine in mm-hmm. like the uh, the uh, Oklahoma Flats and stuff like that, Tulsa Flats. Um. Anyway. Oh man. We had so this is just the start of what of what of a like the first seed of an ongoing storyline nice here. So it's very exciting. Yeah. Exactly. So now Alan Davis is on art. It's his first time on Dread. And it's looking pretty slick. Yeah, it's the first time we've seen him since Prague 509 and his final work in the Prague, sadly. Oh. You'll re- and we'll remember Alan Davis from stuff like Harry 20 on the High mm-hmm. Rock and DR and Quinch. Yes. If I haven't screwed up, they, there should be a DR and Quinch a collection on the feed that oh. should have gone up recently. My God. <laughs> Interestingly, after an initial scrap – so basically this um, – so here, here's a backstory for this one, Fox. Okay. There was a there was a there was an attempt to do a Dread Batman crossover previously, like long ago, with mm. IPC. Um, but IPC wasn't interested in it for some reason because they and were ding dongs, basically. And so the fallout. And so there's sort of a rumor, basically, that because that didn't happen, that's what led to like it was going to be written by Alan Moore with art by Brian Ball, and then because oh, they didn't awesome. have the Dread stuff to do, and so they ended up just just doing a the 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 killing joke, you know. So instead of like. Right, a dread Batman crossover that probably people wouldn't remember that, like non that like a uh, non Brits would not remember very well, and so they did w- one of the most iconic Batman stories <laughs> ever. You know, it's a weird time. Oof. Oof. But um, anyhow, but there was another attempt to do one with with, with Alan Davis in, with the new Fleetway company that that now owns 2000 AD. Alan Davis had experience drawing Batman, but not Dread. So the story we're seeing here was supposed to be kind of a tune up for it oh. and sort of a subtle plug because this is a very Batman-y kind of Dread well, story. I mean, it has like the mask, yeah, SDA, exactly. and you know, yeah, yeah. And and it also has a lot of very Batman-y narration, to be oh, honest. Of course, <laughs> like like I always feel like this is like Batman stuff, you know. Like a like I I felt a need to fight, and criminals are a cowardly and superstitious lot, you know. Yeah, um, and cl- I mean clearly he's a well-to-do and affluent person, at least within the end of this, right? Indeed, yeah. So um, we meet a. Uh, uh, a man with artistic ambition and a need for money who saw only one route forward, crime. He'd be a bat mugger. Hey, why not? But let's think methodically about this, Conrad. Let's do this in a in a way that makes the most sense, right? 
Yeah, using a bat glider suit, which we've seen be- seen before. I believe uh, Citizen Snork's dad mm-hmm. was, a, was a bat glider, um, among others. But he sw- he swoops in on targets from specially chosen locations to avoid being seen. Hits them with a canister of anti mugging spray, which man. and then takes their stuff and escapes. <laughs> mug off, more like mug on. Am I right? <laughs> Seriously, uh, Dread investigating. We see Dread investigating one of these crimes, but doesn't find anything. Meanwhile, the Batmugger, aka E. Chester Wiggins, uses a disguise and spends his ill-gotten gain to buy his own art from an art dealer, basically laundering his money. Perfect. And of course, yeah. And since art, fine arts is full of a bunch of phonies, it means that because someone's buying his art, now everybody starts buying his art, and he's able to uh, only mug a couple days a week. Which is, you know, not so bad. Yeah. But one night the mugger is mugging and Dredd shows up. He jumps up the side of a highway overpass, and the Batmugger punches Dredd in the chin and tries to escape, Oof. but gets winged in the leg by a ricochet bullet. I feel like if you punch Judge Dredd in the chin, it's just going to be like punching a granite wall. Right, it's like, it's, it's, it's like when they punch Superman and they break their hand on him. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> um, so the but the Batmugger does manage to escape, wondering if he could be traced by his blood um, and uh, all this stuff. But he re- um, he also recalls how he had all this money coming in, so he decided to escape notice by becoming involved in civics mm-hmm. um, with a strong establishment per- posture. Eventually being so beloved by the Justice Department that they gave him a fancy ring in recognition of his efforts. So, Dredd finds the blood of the mugger and soon at the stately Wayne Manor block, we see all (laughs) – we see that that this whole narration is being confessed to the judges um, and we see evidence being gathered by a mustachioed Judge Gordon as well. So great. Wiggins is uh, is taken away, and he wonders how he was caught. Um, and Dredd says, "Like, yeah, listen, we we ne- would never even suspect you. You know, we we we, we liked your stances. You were a good 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 po- political guy. But it turns out that, that it wasn't the blood that was the evidence, but the bruise on Dredd's <laughs> chin caused by that fancy <laughs> ring. <laughs> Only one guy's got it, man. He's just got a giant, like a like a Justice Department symbol, like bruise on his chin. It's pretty excellent. It's quite fashionable, indeed. So finishing up, Dread. Brett uses on art, and man, do I love that Kano scowl. Brown and meaty, soft and squeezy. What's the food that goes down easy? H O T T I E hotties. Oh my god. A cool car full of jerks and hot you sweaters drop a naked dude in the middle of the city with a chef's hat really and hot dogs. Really awkward stuff, man. <laughs> it's naked as heck. Um, it's a prank by those fun-loving dudes from Hot you. I feel like fun-loving isn't ditching someone in a bad part of town with, like, a clear penis euphemism as he's nude trying to sell his penis euphemisms, right? Like, a little weird. I feel... I feel like you're unfamiliar with how frat guys have fun, Fox. This uh, feels on brand. That is actually um, very true. I do not know how they have fun. Dredd stops by and says that this dude, Artie Farquhar, should not be doing this. This is a bad part of town. But Artie's got to get home on his own steam because or else he won't get into the fraternity. And if that means selling hotties for 20 creds each and then walking home naked, he's going to do it. Damn. I I wouldn't. Dredd says it's his funeral and drives off. Yeah. That is correct. Listen, like, Fox, you're never going to be president if you don't join the right fraternities, all right? That's, that is fair-ish. <laughs> the, 
The boys are high above watching this hottie cook cooking. And when someone does buy one, they press a button and it makes it explode in that guy's face. Man, that is not great for that dude, nor, uh, you know, the guy's face that then he punches. Indeed, like you said, he gets a full-on um, Kano scowl. When oh you man, see stuff. I love it. Well, there's even there's even one that uh, like Dread does early, where it's just like the the left or right side partially open mouth with the other side of the mouth being closed. <laughs> yeah, love it. Ewan's Ewan's Pretty got good. it. Ewan's got a mouth mouth habit. He's got a you know he 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 definitely has a look. I think that it's like beautiful. I mean, a lot of artists do, you know, and so yeah. they're like, yeah, like, like, listen, it's a real good one. So, you know, I'm, I'm always happy to see it. Exactly. Dread is called back by a watching bay, which just seems to be a, uh, a judge, like, stapled onto the roof of some place watching and seeing what happens. Oof. Um, as the, these frat bros are beaten up. Sorry, I should say, um, I skipped a part, but basically, uh, Artie gets punched in the face, but then the hottie guys realize that some jerk is stealing the tires of their car. So they beat the shit out of him, but then in turn, they beat the shit out of them. I think, well, well, they tried to, like, toss him in the air. They're doing, like, some frat-based fighting. But that kind of kung fu does not work on the citizens of Mega City 1 who no. just start kicking their asses. They just get a bunch of bludgeons and fucking, like, start beating the shit out of them. Yeah. Ugh. One of them gets tied to this giant um, hot dog blimp they've been carrying oh my around God, and starts right. to fly off. The other hotties grab their ankles as Dredd shows up. And the flying hottie you guys fall, land directly on Artie's grill, and then they all start rolling, smashing into a fuel fuel truck, which then explodes! A danger fuel truck! No, no! Uh, this really had this whole feel of, like, uh, the first Zoolander movie, where it's just like, <laughs> let's get uh, whatever, pumpkin spice lattes or some shit like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Orange mocha uh, yeah, frappuccinos. I, there we go. Orange mocha frappuccinos, and then they have the gas fight to, uh, and then to they just decide to light go go. Yeah, it's it was a little rough, and that's yeah, what this reminded me of smoke. a lot. Very much so. Yeah, this is a bunch of fun loving dudes dying in a horrible fire. Absolutely. Oh, lovely. Artie shows up and says, "Hey, let, let, let me be." that ride home now he might have failed the fraternity test but at this point after the casualties he is the fraternity hey man so you know win-lose situation i mean yeah listen <laughs> yeah now you gotta initiate all these guys oh, oh my geez, god that's gonna be so much know work. The secret methods oh no where are you even gonna get uh, a fucking wiener balloon that big Seriously, that was the one they bought it years yeah, ago. I feel like, yeah, it's like it's like the thing that they originally bought when the fraternity started, you know, or they stole it from the actual university. See, that's the clutch. Oh, move. no. That means they got to get a new one. And more dudes. I yeah. can never have enough dudes. Speaking of getting dudes, Fox. Ooh. Non-thrills, covers, and nerve center. Prog 583, Bargain Basement Horror. Ooh. Tyranny Rex hangs out with some fangirls in a Steve Dillon cover. Man, real. And, the the one that just has the dark shirt. I'm like, all right. Yeah, it's disturbing. Um, in a very hard to read nerve center, Tharg plugs the Birmingham uh, Comic Convention, mm. complete with a phone number for details. Hey, sure, why there, not? Yeah, there's pictures of a robo gunner. And who are you going to call? Perk Busters. Love it. Bustin' makes Dread feel good, buddy. This was my absolute favorite uh, fan picture for this, uh, for this run, man. 
There are pictures of, uh, sorry, uh, um, letters question how Deadlock can be a master of chaos when chaos is inherently masterless. And, fa- and Tharg reads in the Riot Act, just like, listen, like, it's just a level of, like, inculcation to the yeah. chaos cult, dude. Like, get out of here. You gotta, you um, gotta start uh, as, like, what, an acolyte, you know? Yes. I, I know it involves killing your uncle. That's all I remember. <laughs> um <laughs> Another writer asks the stupidest letter Thargus ever received, and Park says the previous one. Oh, my God. There's also a pretty sweet dread poem after this. Mid-prog, there's a full-page ad for Police Academy 5, late sure. in his action. There's also an ad um, for oh, – oh, sorry. There's also an ad for the about-to-open They Walk Among Us comic shop as yeah. seen on Spaced and Red Dwarf in our – um, also, we get the first ad for the Crisis comic. Crisis is coming, mm-hmm. buddy. The prog ends with a new Forbidden Planet with a new Forbidden Planet shops opening in London and Cambridge. Nice. And a pretty sweet s- star scan of Dread taken out of perp by Brendan McCarthy. McCarthy doesn't it's, give a shit. It's just a pile of corpses behind him, man. Yeah, and he'll draw a dread shield, a dread helmet shield with six vertical bars. All right. Yeah, what's Some up? Some people draw that thing with three, and he goes far. You got the whitest helmets available. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, Prog five eighty four. Who wears the helmet? Well, apparently and a Jedi. It's, yeah, it's a picture of the titular item himself with blood, with a pool of blood and a very minimalist cover. Mm-hmm. In the nerve center, Tharg is allowing Mach two, uh, uh, Mac Two, the Alan McKenzie droid, to answer letters to th- uh, to answer letters as Tharg prepares for summer releases and the upcoming uh, debut of Crisis. Sweet. Also, There's a, a picture of yeah. I was about to say uh, Joe Joe's pineapples. Yeah, hidden in his chest in his chest cavity. Fox, did you know that pretty much all non English languages call pineapples ananas? It's yes, true. I do. It's a very strange. <laughs> It's a very strange difference that we've decided to call them pined apples. Exactly. Um, also, there's a monster called Eric the Obscure. Let us right. call out some recent heavy metal like band name content hit and band content hit in 2000 AD, mm. despite Tharg's love for jazzy folk numbers like Captain Beefheart. Oh. There's a letter f- uh, uh, um, with some faulty translation and a correction about a block name, I guess. Okay. Midprog, there's Steve Ke- Keaton's vids page. The big news is that E.T. is coming out on video six years after it was in theaters. <laughs> My God. I think it was actually a cinematic re-release be- before it came out on video, actually. Oh, really? But it's crazy in this era where movies come out on streaming or DVD while they're still in theaters. God, six years after the fact. Wait so long for that stuff. Um, I- I've listened to this podcast um, – Called "You Must Remember This," which is about movies and stuff, mm. and they t- kind of t- and and they have an episode talking about the Disney release model and this idea how before they did stuff on video, they used to just sort of periodically re-release all their cartoon movies. Oh, interesting! So like, you know, so I have a memory of it, of being a little kid and seeing like Bambi or Cinderella or something in the in, in the theaters. Like wow. my parents did, like even someone's grandparents might have, you know, because it came out in like the thirties or something. Damn. It's an interesting idea. Um, um, uh, also, um, RoboCop's out on videos, as are several episodes of the ALF TV show. It should have a very important place in the heart of a young Conrad. Hey, man, ALF is great. And one of the most harrowing endings to a series ever. <laughs> Indeed, yeah, captured by the government, like, taken away. It's like, what the hell? 
Also on tape are the pilot of a show called Werewolf and the Friday the 13th TV series, which I've, I just watched all of the Friday the 13th movies, Fox, and it really uh, changed my life for a while. I'm now <laughs> desensitized to both uh, machete stabbings and skinny dipping. Neither no. of them move the needle for me anymore. Yeah, no. <laughs> Um, also, the original Adam West Batman movie is out on video featuring shark repellent and stuff, which I think is sort of shark a... Shark repellent kinda, kinda, is such a bizarre... Um, it, it, it's on the utility belt. And um, I, to me, this feels like kind of a mockbuster kind of thing because, you know, the uh, the Tim Burton Batman movie is coming out next year. So, it's kind of mm. trying to get Batman back in the consciousness. Um, there's also some stuff about the super VHS format, which never really caught on, probably because the machines were very expensive for not a lot yeah. of gain and quality. There's a gig guide for the UK Comic Art Convention and a Comic Mart opening or a Comic Mart happening in Swindon. Sweet. Uh, with a helmet cover, this one ends with a boots back cover by Cliff <laughs> Robinson. These boots were made for stomping, and that's just what they'll do. If you think crime pays, then one of these days they're gonna stomp all over you. Jackboot No, 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 no. Um. Probably five. It's a dark night in Mega City One. A eh? as mm. Dredd shoots a familiar shadowy fig figure drawn by Alan Davis. <gasps> and the Nerve Center Thug announces the end of Bad Company and the upcoming Tribal Memories. Uh, mm. <laughs> um, there are pictures of Beverly Hills Sprog Two and Judge Birdie, who's ba- based on a mascot of uh, licorice all sorts. Letters include a reader mugged for his 30 pence for a prog, a reader insulting the fashion styling of both Peter Milligan and Pat Mills in various places. All right. And extreme praise for the art in Prog 580. Nice. Mid-prog, there's John Brosnan's flicks film with just an extended beatdown of the movie The Running Man. And I think Brosnan just might be a little too highbrow for the shock shock fest period of movies he's living in which is strange because he starts then just literally coming all over fucking like beetlejuice yeah he loves beetlejuice but listen can't get a moment for arnold killing a dude that's got fire-based abilities and doing two fire-based puns when he kills him oh it's fucking fantastic (laughs) tells him to chill out and then he says you're fired it's it's ridiculous (laughs) what's not to like yeah man He killed a guy guy named Sub-Zero and said he's now called Plane Zero. (laughs) (laughs) I will say that, you know, I mean, he is is reasonable in in his appreciation of Beetlejuice. That's a good movie. Um, And the prog ends with a nemesis pinup by John Hinklinton. It's real crazy. Yeah, looking real. Warlock wearing this crop top. He's got a real thin waist, (laughs) fingerless gloves, and a cool sword held held behind his back. My favorite thing is just the perfect circle that's cut out from the front of the chest. It's like, all right. So... I mean, this is... Yeah, this is a shirt that, that, like, you know, traditionally would be on a would be worn by a lady in a pinup, yeah. if you ask me. Yeah. He's got, he's got, like, he's got some boob holes in there. And, you know, <laughs> while his chest has a lot of definition, I don't know if that's what I'm looking for. Uh, but, you know, to each their own, I say. At the very least, we now have it confirmed. He's got that deep V, you know? Yeah. And his sh- and he's got this shield that has more of that checkerboard pattern I mentioned earlier in the it's episode. Rad. Um, oh, yeah. Also, um, like the inner neck of Nemesis is pretty weird here just because I've always imagined it being like maybe hard kind of like teeth or something yeah. like that. But Hanklinton sort of drawn it as curved, so it's more like the underbelly Ugh. of a snake maybe. Or like uh, like the under part of a giant whale. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah like a baleen. Yeah. That's a good point, Fox. 
586, Simon Bisley draws an illegal alien. <gasps> Nemesis is on Earth looking extremely punk with his spiked leather jacket. It looks like he's ready to do his debut for Final Fantasy VII. <sighs> <laughs> Definitely the big sword and stuff. And we also see Purity Brown as well as a Hazard Zone sign, barbed wires in the foreign background. Just the really center, playing that up. Yeah. In the nervous center, Tharg is looking just to the side in a new profile by Brett mm. But by Brett Ewins. Um, as Tharg mentions, the big response for the How to Draw Comics contest and consoles the losers with the new nemesis. Brad. There's a picture of a very bony Tharg the Decomposed and a possibly blue robe Tintin that has really come through in the black and white nerve center. And let me tell you, uh, instead of his superpower being that he can burrow under the earth, it's to take chloroform to both he and his dog's mouth. <laughs> yeah, survive multiple concussions, which is <laughs> thousands of concussions. Like, oh my god. Know, th- this is an archer joke, but seriously, if you get hit in the head and you're knocked out, you should see a doctor right away. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, uh, yeah. So letters are after are wondering about Dred's underwear. Either he wears boxer shorts or more advanced underwear, and apparently he wears advanced boxer shorts. Which it's I called boxer, boxer briefs. briefs. Yeah, man, yeah. that's the more advanced <laughs> underwear. <laughs> A reader demands uh, 2000 AD in Japan, while another writes something in phonetic Japanese. And here, where I apologize for being a super idiot in a previous episode, saying that katanka is a made-up language. Um, that's like the, the uh, letters on the side of Tharg's head on the nerve center. I have indeed tr- used my Google Translate app and the characters on the side of Tharg's head sort of translate into like something that says something along the line of like a snark's nerve center, which <laughs> is phonetic enough for jazz to sound like Tharg's nerve center. Sure thing, man. Also translated the phonetic Japanese, and the guy who, who wrote said, "I like I've read so much of your comic, I know understand everything except Japanese." And <laughs> Tharg responds with, uh, "If it's only Japanese, you don't understand. That's amazing. Your knowledge must be great. If you keep this up, you could conquer the world." Then he answers an anonymous letter and suggests putting some camaline lotion, some some calamine lotion on there. <laughs> what the fuck? Um, uh, uh, Midprog, there's a posting of the various Fleetway annuals. We've already discussed these on the show for 1988, but shout out to our Kiwi buddies for the Eagle and Scream specials. We're also seeing that there's going to be more 2000 AD coming in Prog 289, but also an extra five pence in price. Oh my god, how could it happen possibly ever? So angry. Anyhow, <laughs> speaking of uh, things that Bro, anger me, Fox. You forgot the most important part, which was Peter Pez. Coming back we for a second check. Those, I those know, but you know, ads. I just, I really like Pez. That's all. We, we, we had a discussion about the importance of using the dispenser oh, to eat the Pez. It's not in importance. It is a factual thing that you have to do. We even had a side discussion about string cheese and just sort of the, oh, uh, you know, correct protocol for your various childish <laughs> foods. You know, it's very important. It's also the same problem I have with people who, who do the top jump on tacos and not the side bite. I'm a side bite man for life. Oh, my God. Top bite. Yeah, man. So just they... like get like a mouthful of lettuce. That's yeah, terrible. That's where I'm like, why would you not try to evenly distribute all of the things? Well, speaking of uh, confusing eating <laughs> of confusing eating habits, Fox. <laughs> Thrill for tyranny, Rex. Oh yeah. Ooh, don't eat a whole city, or you're gonna get some bad indigestion. <laughs> no. Script robot John Smith, art robot Steve Dale, letter about Tom Frame. 
reptilian artist slash mercenary tyranny Rex writes a letter to her friend Lem, last seen being absorbed into a bunch of rock star clones <laughs> and getting life in prison for it in a previous story. Clearly, it's kind of working out for him. I mean, they don't really say that anything got better, I guess. No, we don't know what situation he's, re- he's writing this. He's reading this letter in prison is, you know. Um, but she's living a good life, Sky cycling around, blasting giant razor blimps. Oh, yeah, life O'Reilly. Yeah, it seems pretty pretty fun, honestly. Apparently, they do smell like melted cheese when you blow oh, them up. That is that, actually gross. I don't know, man. Like, I feel like I'm pro-melted cheese in a lot of situations. It just depends, depends on, on, the, the on the cheese. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Zabatico. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um Anyway, she's killing all these tiny ones searching for the Mama Razor blimp, which will also contain Lost TV presenter Dirk Sheen, which she's been hired to rescue. Sweet. Tyranny finds that blimp and flies straight into its mouth. Inside the monster, she uh, finds the remains of the ruined city, and we see, uh, sorry, I should say the uh, title card for Purity Brown, for for Tyranny Rex here is Slippery People. And all the titles for this story under Foreign Skies are from Talking Head songs. The ah. first one was And She Was, then this one, and mm. then the next one is a What a Day That Was. Um, under Foreign Skies is either a band out of Tallahassee, which might not actually exist at this point in human history, or a documentary about Wham! in China. I'm not sure <laughs> about that one. <laughs> okay. Tyranny drops her jacket, currently being digested by the Razor Blimp's juices, although it does digest a kind of a slow sarlacc pit kind of, kind of great. Um, something very large and stomachy tries to sneak up on her, but she threatens it and threatens several more razor-toothed stomach beasts as well. And yeah, they man. seem to be willing to accept it. Get wrecked. In the city, Tyranny blows through a wall and meets some survivors, a quartet of ladies who are huge man. Dirk Sheen fans. The, and this is the most intense and I think like – it's not very – I don't think it's noticed quite quickly because it's only two – uh, kind of frames, which is they're all kind of sitting around this campfire. Almost all of them are eating, and almost all of them have bones in their hands. And they're kind of like larger people as well, like to say a thing. Like uh, they, some they implied people. cannibalism going yeah, on here. They ate people. Oh, it's the Alabama blimps all over again. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> um, yeah, so Quartet of, of uh, Dirk Sheen fans, they haven't seen him, but one's got a shoe, another's got some shirt, another has a lock of hair and a shirt sleeve, Ooh. and a fourth has a tooth. Nice. Sadly, Tyranny isn't here to rescue them as the toothy stomach monsters follow after her. Yeah, I think those girls are dead now. One way or another. Yeah, uh, that's Tyranny actually Jack- true. <laughs> yeah, Tyranny jacks into the mall security systems using this cyberpunk jack. We lo- we last saw her, I think maybe even get, but definitely use mm. in the 88 sci-fi special. And she quickly finds Dirk Sheen at a food mart. It's very um, uh, uh, ghost in a shell slash matrixy kind of vibe to it. I like it. Indeed. It's bad times there, though, because the last four weeks, Dirk Sheen has grown a beard and is now hiding naked in a pile of cornballs. Well, I mean, you know, when everyone strips you of all of your clothing. Seriously. Luckily, Tyranny has a lovely ball gown for him to wear. He slips into it as she harasses him and they're attacked by another beast. Sexually harasses him constantly through the entirety of this thing. Absolutely, but the beat—it's a, a it's a proy coin uh, scavenger Orox. Okay, it's quickly killed by a few exploding cans of spood digested juices. Ugh. Catch the spood. <laughs> Tyranny and Dirk head to a nearby nuclear power complex where Tyranny triggers a proton-antiproton suicide, which will cleanse the area of razor blimps and pretty much everything else. Sweet. I mean, you know, it's a pretty large explosion. 
Yeah. Tyranny triggers her crotch-mounted jet-powered pogo stick with the stasis screen. I mean, if you didn't think that she had the balls, she also has the D. Got a giant jet-powered wang going on there. She has Dirk (laughs) jet-powered wang. Has Dirk grab her tail and they whoom away, blown to the side of the razor blimp and clear of the massive explosion. Woof. Woof a tufa. 2,000 square kilometers are completely glassed by nuclear radiation. The razor blimps are dead, but at what cost? Still, tyranny, is, tyranny escapes with the money, while Dirk Jean, bearded in a dress, possibly missing a tooth or two, has committed suicide by chainsaw after being publicly disgraced. Oh my god. Tyranny signs off her letter to Lem, promising the usual piece of the decimated cannon in a cherry flan as a young kid walks around with a balloon, which may in fact be a baby razor blimp. Oh, no. That kind of just says to me that whoever this balloon guy is is clearly the mastermind behind all this. Love and stuff. Tyranny. I I want to use that sign off from now on. Love and stuff. (laughs) Definitely. Tyranny Rex will return in Prague 595 in October. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, I like this little jump in. Just some, uh, you know, Tyranny gets in, a lot of anarchy gets out. I like this. I know, This is a fun character. You do not hire Tyranny Rex uh, when you need a scalpel. You hire Tyranny Rex when you need a proton, anti-proton suicide explosion. Seriously, yeah. Listen, don't let her don't let her do anything if you don't want the uh, the uh, two thousand square mile radius to be glassed by the end of it. <laughs> and speaking of our vanishing ecosystems, Fox. Oh my God! Thrill five tribal memories. Oh. Hmm. Yeah, no, the sigh is right. This is a weird one. Um, script robot Peter Milligan, art robot Tony Wright as Riot, learning robot Jack Potter. Uh, first solo work from Riot here. We've seen his work him work with uh, Brent McCarthy on the classic Writers in the Storm story and a few other dread things. Yep. The art's, the art's pretty good. Yeah. The end. It's just like, I don't know, man. Again, it's one of these things where, I, um, like, this is I, – I don't know if this is the best story for, like, some English white dudes to be telling is what I'm trying to say. I, I was going to say the exact same thing. It's kind of like maybe not – it's not where I would have gone – um it yeah it's got a very toto uh, got got a very toto feel if that makes sense yeah <laughs> big toto energy um <laughs> <laughs> anyway we start with a uh, mbantane and, and nelion the peaks of mount kenya swaying on the horizon as a spaceship lands on these sweltering african plains and a maasai warrior looks on Aboard the ship are a bunch of bored rich people. They're all just backbiting phonies in the view of our narrator, Muhammad Robinson, Mo to his friends. And he's in the personality business, extracting personalities and memories and then inputting them into people to give them interesting memories and feelings. Seems real weird. Yeah, this is sort of the end result of a couple different sort of cyberpunk movies and and books and stuff. Yeah. And of Um, of course, uh, what would be complete without overstepping our boundaries if there weren't, of course, an alien race that's being enslaved and uh, forced into camps? Well, I'd say first, what, what, what would we, 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 we be doing with this if he said he wasn't heading to Earth to find someone who hadn't had any personality implants because now everybody else has been mongrelized by personality uh, implant residues, which uh, is rough language. Yeah. And again, yeah, he explains this as we see a native alien race 
being taken back to home zone restricted areas while wearing striped pajamas. Because listen, uh. we're listen. I know, I know writers that use subtext, and they're cowards, Fox. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my! You really so want to? Back to- you have to bludgeon your audience until they understand <laughs> the purpose of what you're trying to convey. They're headed back to Earth, where some uh, Maasai people have been reborn during a as part of a cryogenics uh, project. This part isn't super well explained. Yeah. Okay. So there's some people and some shit happened. And now there's some other things that we get to do. Let's go into the underverse. Which I yeah, guess, like, I, shout out to Riddick. Yeah, I mean, we definitely learned that, like, the hyperspace they use takes still takes a while. Like, it's 30 days from wherever he is, wherever Mo is to Earth. And several, and it makes people feel uneasy. Several, several crewmen kill themselves during the, during the trip. Oh, God. I guess. He also describes this Maasai as the last real man, one untouched by modern technology. Um and they learned that basically what it seems like is that Earth got all destroyed and blowed up, but it's now been fully regenerated. <laughs> so they're traveling on the savannah. We see like a cheetah in the distance. They come across an ox and Moe's buddy Palmer shoots it to be safe, but then gets tagged by a Maasai spear and is killed. I mean, like, you know, tit for tat in this case, I suppose. Yeah, have they found the Maasai? No, the Maasai's found them. Yeah, I mean, clearly the... Spear is sticking out of your friend's uh, chest. Yeah. I will say there seems like there's a lot that's been cut for time in this story because they go – they basically lead over spending two days trying to capture the Maasai. Yeah. And instead, we're just back aboard the ship headed back to Moe's planet. Um, Moe – again, like just a lot of like exoticism of – That's fine. uh, The less time we spend with this, the better. You know? Yeah. But I mean, Mo talks about how, like, oh, yes, we've captured the Maasai, but oh. have we imprisoned him? Oh, mm. man. Really just using some uh, some hardcore language there. I mean, again, it's just like it's it's just sort of exotic ex- exotification. You know, it's just mm. sort of like, oh, yes, this Maasai, he's di- his culture is different. So, I mean, while it is sort of putting him on a pedestal, it is also sort of this model minority kind of thing or something like that. I don't know. Like, oh, I'm, yeah. Like. I've got some, like, I, listen, I'm a squishy enough liberal to know that uh, this is not good, but I don't quite have the language <laughs> to fully explain why it's not good. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, it's just not um, our conversation to really fucking have, right? Yeah. Um, but so Mo, uh, so sorry, they uh, they implant English into the Maasai and Mo doesn't seem super sad about his friend Palmer being killed because no. he's just in a weird spot in his life. Back home, the Maasai only has one question about this high-tech wonderland. When do we eat? Yeah, man. Like, let's let's have some food. Yeah, and they go to a fancy society party complete with campaign speeches and, you know, the usual phonies and stuff like that. Oh, real and boring. And hates the food. Yeah, probably tastes like garbage. <laughs> yeah, Moe's lawyer slash accountant says they should drain the samurai's memories ASAP, which is kind oh, of a funny mix up there. Come on, Good buddy. Lack of knowledge of Earth history. But Mo seems to be having second thoughts. They arrive at his apartment, but soon the Maasai disappears. He broke the one he- rule. Uh. The warrior wanders the city, and Mo finds him hanging out with the aliens we saw last time. Excuse me. Seems to have a lot of similarities down to cattle tending. He also just um, they also have a similar system of a uh, Moran uh, Mayanyata, which is s- sort of the Maasai like a uh, cultural system, mm. and Uhura, which I tried to look up, but I can't, that word has been completely poisoned by Star Trek, so uh. I cannot learn more. 
but it appears to mean independence from the white man, which may include Mo, despite his physical heritage. Which, you know, all right, but, let's, but let's also take sudden, a big step. Yeah, it's like one way or another. Suddenly a monster attacks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a Gokotos, a giant underground snake monster. The Maasai does what Nat does what comes natural and hefts his spear to attack. Something tells me that snake's dead. Should be cool stuff. Yeah, you know, listen, like, bleh. I don't know about this one, Fox. <laughs> it's uh it's a rough one. It's real rough. It's uh, uh it well, we're <sighs> I didn't enjoy reading it, let's put it that way. I, I kind <laughs> of I mean, like any sci-fi, it's like, oh, interesting memory transference stuff. But it's really overshadowed by the rest of what I... Just some, yeah, it's some very I nice get, I get they're trying to say a thing, right? <laughs> they are trying yeah. to say a thing. Uh, I just, uh, you know, the landing hasn't just... They didn't even stick the landing. They fell, like, mid-jump backwards. Uh, and I don't know, like fell so far back it's like painful to watch i I like i'm not i don't know if maybe they should be writing this story (laughs) that's all yeah it's tough i just got i i i I just have one thing to say fox all right all right and uh yeah oh wait no i never mind i was gonna gonna do a toto thing but i'm all messed up by it i gotta do it better (laughs) Listen, there's nothing a hundred progs could ever do. I bless the thrills down in Africa. Oh, my God. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and my God. Speaking of Stranger in a Strange Land, Fox. Oh, yeah. Thrill 6, Nemesis the Warlock. My boy's back. Nemesis is back. And, uh, you know, oogier than ever. Yeah, listen, John Hinklinson, he's been doing some work while he's been away, you know? He's like, oh, man, uh, I mean, that opening page, it's just like, holy shit. <laughs> we, um, script about Pat Mills, art about John Hinklinson, letter about Steve Potter. We see the Blitz Spear of Nemesis the Warlock traveling through a space void surrounded by strange hooded figures and weirdly organic Ooh. tubes and machinery. Real gross. Yeah. The ABC Warriors have succeeded, but Torquemada has escaped. Um... And along with Purity Brown, he is pursuing the Grandmaster for vengeance purposes. The time is now. Oh, present day. A tenpence piece sits on a grate, and below Nemesis wears a sweet leather trench coat and jeans. Yeah. Nemesis the Warlock in Deathbringer. I think he's real sour about uh, his kid dying, you know? Yeah, he narrates his hunt for Torquemada, hidden in this world with the only law of survival of the fittest. Torquemada is the first insect to bite back against Nemesis' godlike race. He reflects the Warlocks were in decay until Thoth was born, but... Torquemada ended that rebirth with his chainsword. What a jerky. Yeah. A woman with a duffel bag wanders to the Blackstead estate, seemingly deserted, as Nemesis walks through a cemetery where dead children's name where, where dead children's yeah. graves are shaped like like a radiation symbols and the whole place is rigged by barbed wire. It does not seem like a good place to be. No. Nemesis or Torquemada's been on Earth for ten years doing something. Nemesis isn't sure what, but he knows he's putting an end to it because he is the Deathbringer. Man, he's really making sure you know. Yeah, the woman, Purity Brown, looking different once more, wanders into some ar- into s- some kind of armed checkpoint near yeah. a fast food place because there's Checker a price thing on the back. Yeah, 
hooded soldiers with checkerboard uh, shoulder pads. The guards question her, but twig that, that she doesn't know where she is. Who's the ruler of the country? Uh, Purity thinks fast, guesses Queen Victoria, and it's bad times. Nope, that is not the correct answer. The judges, the sorry, the guard, I should say, asks for permission to terminate, and Purity shrugs. Never was good at quiz games. <laughs> and the guards open fire! Something tells me she'll be a-okay. Next episode, party time! Sweet, glad he's back. Yeah, interesting nemesis stuff, and, you know, we're gonna be in like on earth doing some nemesis things gonna be just a lot of leather jackets Ooh. a lot of a lot of goth stuff fox a lot of things going on i'm pretty i'm pretty all right with that i like purity's kind of new look yeah it's just yeah i mean like uh i feel like i've read this story in the past and lost track of it so i'm gonna try to really hard to kind of <laughs> keep 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 a handle on what's going on with this stuff because there are some shifts and things move around. All right. Because, I mean, clearly they're in the 80s. Oh, yeah. It's 1980. It's like 80. Uh, I, I, think, I think it's now, so I guess it's 88, mm -hmm. you know? We'll see, though. Mm -hmm. um, and speaking of aliens who you shouldn't judge by their looks, Fox. Oh. Throw seven. Future shock. I feel like we've seen this future shock before. Not this one in particular, but definitely no, yes, this thread. The, the, this plot, absolutely. Um, script robot J.W. Memo Manson, uh, art robot William Simpson, uh, letting robot Tom Frame. So this is our first future shock since 572. Mm. Nothing gold can stay, pony boy. I know. Um, anyway, an alien spaceship rushes towards Earth, neutralizing missiles sent to them, preparing to meet the humans. They land and are met by soldiers and the press, but the president orders the troops to open fire. When the captain comes out and he's all ugly and they murder him as he says, we come in peace. The ship takes off as the aliens pick up their signals and possibly from TV shows, but we basically just get kind of a Fifth Element style montage of human yeah. violence. And they get to a safe distance and destroy the Earth. Good times. Well, I mean, you'd think the missiles that they had sent to attack their spacecraft would have told them in the first place. But whatever. Yep. I mean, I think, yeah, we've seen this story also where um, they kill an ugly, peaceful race and then a, a, a cute-looking evil race shows up. Yeah. Um, you know, and this is a sort of variation on like um, – oh, or, or like uh, we, we think aliens are landing, but they're actually future humans and they're killed by what are actually aliens and stuff. Just, just like – Kind uh, of things of that nature. Blow up a planet again. It's all right. Always a good time. And speaking of good times, Fox. Oh, man, I had such a great time with you, buddy. And so I must know, what are your top and bottom thrills for ah, this episode? I mean, I my clear bottom uh, is going to just have to be uh, tribal memories. I'm sorry. No, it was only two progs, but it's just like I you're on notice in a big way. <laughs> like there, this is room for improvement in a big step. So, I, you know. We'll we'll see what's going on next time. Something tells me this is fairly short lived. Oh yeah, yeah. It'll it'll end next episode. Yeah. Good. Okay. Let's uh and then let's just forget it for a while. Um <laughs> in terms of top buddy, you know that's gotta be Judge Dredd. You fucking you don't even horse around me like with that. Bloodline was dope. Bloodline was interesting. It's like setting up I felt the setup, if that makes mm -hmm. sense, right? Like there's just yeah. some neat progression against the character. Plus, uh, I actually really liked um, Batmugger. I thought, like, even though it is a lot of text, the mm -hmm. character that's being written about there, right, is 
it's kind of the process, you know, and, and you're just kind of getting this whole feeling for it. I don't read really Batman or anything like that. So mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't actually scope that it was, it was kind of more of a, had a Bruce Wayne feel to it, but I find that pretty interesting. And then yeah. man, this hot dog thing made me feel real weird when he was naked and uh, fondling hot dogs in the middle of nowhere. So, you know, <laughs> I, I enjoyed like the kind of serious um, tone and funny tone that you kind of got out of it. Yeah. And with, you know, just a just a strong nod to Strontium Dog. I see what you're trying to do. I'm still trying to get used to the art. I just, you know, there are things yeah. about that I'd still like to get to. And then, you know, your third is going to be Bad Company. Figured it was going to end this way. So I'm not, I'm not, it's not a top spot <laughs> thing. So man, oh man, those were all of my reasons. But who cares mm. about that? I want to know your reasons. I want to know your raisins. I want to know your raisins brand. Tell me well, all about it. I mean, I'll say I um I'm getting into Strontium Dog. I, I like like I said, the art's really growing on me, and I'm 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 finally giving this story a chance, and it's okay. Yeah, good it's enough. Fine. Um, I'm 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 excited for for where it goes. Um, Nemesis starting strong, just you know, again, like Hinklinton's doing his best to recreate those bolts of lightning that yeah. the, uh, those first Ke- Kevin O'Neill. Um, nemesis stories felt like and i feel like that's really appreciated uh that said fox i think oh oh, sorry sorry also tyranny rex again i I feel like it's really and it's really taken this sort of previous strontium dog like light and breezy yeah um, massive amounts of violence kind of story that i that i really like you know i think john smith's doing a real real good job there as well as steve Dillon, of course doing the lord's Um, work with all yeah with old tyranny rex but I think for the rest of it, I think I will agree with you on all counts with Dread wow. as my top and Tribal Memories as my bottom. Don't care for these Tribal Memories. <laughs> um, Put that do away. Care, do care for the genetic memories of Kraken yeah. uh, and Dread. <laughs> it was so awesome, man. Like, I I didn't think it was going to be a Jetta at the end of it. I was just mm. like, oh, shit, they're going to they they do replaceable parts kind of thing. And now, but man. I love, yeah. Like the storytelling in Bloodlines is really great. Just the shift mm. from Kraken to Dread and their different like perspectives and stuff like that. All that is just makes it a really well written, engrossing story that I thought was really amazing. Strongly and, agree. And like I said, Batmugger was a lot of fun, as were the hotties. Like I think it's great just having this one really serious <laughs> myth arc story and then just a crazy slapstick, everybody dies in a fireball kind of story. Like those are, you know, that's really showing <laughs> showing the breadth and depth of Judge Dredd and the stories it's possible to tell with this character, you know? Always beware of the tank full of danger fuel. It's, it didn't say danger, it just said fuel twice. That's why I called it fuel fuel. <laughs> oh, the, it's called recap. fuel fuel. Mm. Fuel fuel. Watch out. Um, so, with double that, fuel is pretty rough. So much. It burns so hot, Fox. <laughs> Thank you. Like the fire that burns for me to finish up the show. I hope everybody enjoyed it. As always, you can find Space Spinner <laughs> 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Store, Spotify, or podcast site, spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us. SpaceBinner2000 at gmail.com on the 2080 forums or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages on Twitter at SpaceBinner2K. Everything else, SpaceBinner2000, that's us. Nice. Unless I'm squatting on some social media profile, in which case I will never give in to such terroristic demands. <laughs> Come back next week as we take a look at the 1989-2080 annual 
It features a Bad Company prequel, an Ace Trucking postscript, slain fighting monsters, Dread having the blues, and the dramatic conclusion of Flesh with spiders and everything. Then come back next time as we arrive at a big relaunch for 2000 AD. More pages, more work for me and Fox. That's a big return. Yeah, it's going to be 35 pages instead of- God uh, damn. Or maybe 36 because of a double, the double spread or whatever. But, you know, a few more pages and some big returns, including Rogue Trooper, Slain, and Zenith. Oh, man. I'm excited for those things that you just plus, said. Yeah, plus we'll have a Dread Double Drip as the uh, Daily Star comics come to the prog. And oh, regular cool. Dread goes full color. <gasps> really? It's, yeah, it's exciting. Oh, yeah, that's we're gonna rad. Just the whole, yeah, whole page in color, and I think you'll enjoy the way they do it. Okay. 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 Yeah, it's good, you know. Listen, oh, I'm trying to find a... God damn it, Conrad. <laughs> um, anyway. What's, what's going on? Yeah, it's got a Wizard of Oz theme. I was trying to find a way to talk about it cryptically, but I've, I'm, I'm all out. Anyway. Oh, God. Poor C-Rad. My, my mind is blown. Until then, I'm Conrad. He's Fox, and we... Our space spinner 2000 Swan uh, Letters include Son of a bitch Hold on a second <laughs> <laughs> It's very rare to get that uh, to get that true son of a bitch from from Conrad. My 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 microphone stand thing keeps falling over, and I like like I like being tight, a real like a it's being a real jerk. You gotta tighten this thing. Is that what what we're talking about here? Fiddle. Can we do fiddle around? Okay, this maybe this will hold it. Maybe this will hold it. Stay um, on target. So I got. Letters in the middle of my recap here. This is terrible. Come on, okay. what's what's going on, Mike? Go home. You're drunk. This is, this is all going in the end. Um. 